Welcome to the Adventure Geeks podcast for another wonderful episode. Um, Before we get started, though, we'll let you all know that YouTube is happening. It's just going to be taking a little Mm -hmm. while longer. Um, I know me, Ray, and Ian all have Mm -hmm. done some video stuff, and it should be coming your guys' way within the next week. Yep. Just a little learning curve for all of us on this. Oh, uh, yeah. But <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Eric. This is Ian. How are we doing? Uh, Ray. And we are going to be talking about a couple of different things today, a little diverse episode. Uh, the first thing we're going to be talking about is, I know we're a little late to the party, but we're going to be talking about the show Invincible and the comic book that was um, the main influence for it. And then we're going to get into some DC stuff that was announced a couple, what was it, like a week or two ago? Yeah. And then uh, some trailers that are coming out for the Super Bowl tonight. And hopefully we get this episode out before the Super Bowl so people can listen. Shouldn't be a problem. That'll be fine. So why don't we get started with Invincible, which came out last year, right? The show, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. TV show is 2021? Yep. So, well, over a year ago. Season one, it's based on an image comic book by Robert Kirkman. And I always forget the other person's name. Um, It was originally done by uh, Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker. Then Ryan Otley helped take over the art duties for it. There you go. And um, I, I kind of like to couple this into the boys category because it is a bit over the top with its violence and gore. It's a darker take on a comic series. Yeah, it's it's a darker and possibly more realistic view of, of um, a superhero story. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed both. Um, the comic took me a little bit to get into because... Um, of them kind of me a little bit to get into because it does balance a lot of characters and a lot of yeah. different plot lines. But overall, I think it was it was very good. And the, actually, the voice cast for the TV show is pretty star studded. But uh, why don't we get started with the comic book? Yeah. Ray, did you, um, Ian, did you read any of the comics? Just a little bit. I got the I got a little bit of the first issue. I know there's a couple of differences between, like, um, like uh, between Omni Man and what do they call the Guardians of the Globe? Yeah. Versus the TV show, where isn't I know in the comics they got taken out in what two seconds, one panel to the next, and on the TV show it's a little more of a even fight, even though they all still died. Yeah. Violently. Yeah. But, Ray, why don't you start off with a couple things about the comic book? Uh, so, yeah, so Robert Kirkman was the, he was the only one who was the writer on the series. Um, 
and him and Corey Walker helped co-create it, and uh, it's an image title, so it came out, oh man, it came out a while ago, 2003, I think it was. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, I didn't, um, I actually didn't start reading it, I think, until like, I don't know, I didn't, I know I didn't read it right when it came out, it took me a few years, and then uh, I immediately ended up picking up all the rest of it, and these nice hardcover collections. Mm-hmm. But uh, Corey Walker helped provide the art for issues, I think like the first arc, and then Ryan Otley took over, and then Corey Walker kind of came back. He came back and did like a couple of issues here and there. Like I know he did a lot of the uh, the issues where it's just like Mark and Alan the Alien kind of just like hanging out and talking. And I know he did a good uh, arc of Alan the Alien in it too. Um but uh, I think it, it's only, what, 150 issues? Um, yeah, because you, th- you had given me 12 volumes. Yeah. Yeah, so it ends with um, 150 issues. Um, I, and it ended in, I think, what was it, 2018 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did, um, they did bring them back in a... Uh, uh, the Skybound X series that came out, I want to say last year. And that's basically that was basically just a in uh, a big kind of image creators <laughs> books that you know were using their own characters. Um, I think that one was just it was just a Battle Beast one. Um, but yeah, and I think the thing I like most about the comic is it basically is a, a kid growing up with powers and trying to figure out his, his life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, like, what was that? Well, it's kind of like a coming of age story. Yeah. Yeah. I especially like the, uh, the kind of like the arcs where like he was going to, going to college and, you know, also trying to be a superhero at the same time and also juggle a relationship. And, um, I think that was like probably the first first good couple volumes, um, you know, where he's trying to figure out his own life and what he's going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then I think it got um, a little more intense too. Like you know, when you find out about the uh, Viltrumites and yeah. how they're ending up kind of come to Earth and take over. And I think there's a lot of good twists and turns in it too. Eric, did you did you end up finishing the series? I'm on volume seven now, so I have a few more to go, but um, most of the way through. Yeah, I think what, well, one of the things, like, I especially because, like, after the show came out, I ended up watching it, and then I was like, uh, you know what, I'm just going to buy the rest of the volume. So then, like, I just sat down one night, and I just finished the whole series. Because I, I stopped reading, I think, around, how many volumes did you say there were? Twelve? Twelve. I think I stopped around seven or eight and then I you know after I jumped back into it again I was like wow that was fantastic like just the the twists and turns and especially in the like the last few volumes where like you know it deals with a lot about you know Mark trying to I don't know if you got to that part where but with him and Adam Eve and their relationship and yeah I mean I, I think just overall there's a really a really good series yeah, and I, I like how they build up 
every single character. Like, even the villains have, like, a plot line to them and development. Um, and, of course, Robert Cook Kirkman of, of Walking Dead fame mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I really do enjoy it. it. I definitely liked it more as I progressed through the series, because at first I was like, eh, it's kind of just like the boys a little bit. But, um I do like the the cartoony art style definitely uh, hooked me in a little more as it progressed to. And of course, exploring the family dynamic between Invincible and Omni-Man um, kind of catapulted the series, I think. Yeah, I think that first volume really just kind of did a lot for how the tone of the book was going to be. Yeah, and I think like... It happened quicker in the comic than it did in the TV show, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I just like the aspect of a kid with, like, these Superman-like powers trying to not only grow into his powers, but also into a world of superheroes and supervillains and how he has to balance. It's kind of like a, a bunch of different superheroes put into one because you have like the whole keeping the secret identity aspects peter parker peter parker and and him going through school and then him like kind of realizing at one point if he actually really needs school too like because again you never really think about it but i mean if you have superpowers do you really need to go to school and then they bring up the whole aspect of you know Eric, that kind of sounds like a Dragon Ball Z thing when Gohan had to study because his, her, his mother Chi Chi wanted him to study versus fighting with his father, like fighting uh, bad guys with his father his entire life. Right. Well, and, and I like how they use school as a way for him to realize, oh, you do need to learn how to be human too. Yep. So, I mean, I, there's, I mean, some of the gore is a little over the top, but again, it's, it also fits the style of the story too. So, yeah, well, I, think, I think there were a lot of moments, especially in like the the series, when like you know, even dealing with like uh, you know, in in one of the episodes, Adam Eve finds out that her boyfriend was you know cheating on her with one of her teammates, and kind of deals with you know Mark having to be like her friend, even though like he's not, he just isn't sure because it obviously you know awkward time for kids or for teenagers uh the teenagers and i think even like they had a couple good moments where like you know especially with mark dealing with his mom um like especially when they find everyone finds out the truth about omni man and like his mom just goes through like a bender and just like she's she comes an alcoholic right um i don't know if it's an alcoholic she just ends up just a deep depression. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, even those, like, family moments, like, especially with, you know, um, did you get to the part in the comics where uh, he finds out he has a brother? Yep. Yeah, and even, like, that, like, you know, he's like, oh, I have a brother. And he's like, you know, I have to be a, a role model for him. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I think that was, that was around, like, issue 50... 50 or 51, I think, right? And, uh, you know, he ends up almost being like a, like a Batman around. 
interesting because not only does he have to be a role model, but he still has to kind of learn how to be a role model too because he's not fully in control and and accepts the responsibility of his powers either. He's still yeah. making mistakes, still stumbling around. Yeah. No, um, exactly the right amount of you know violence and stuff to use with his superpowers either. Well, I mean, Eric, kind of like going back to what you're saying about the over-the-top violence, I thought it was a little more realistic, say, if you do a superhuman powers and you don't hold back, like the part where Omni-Man destroys the entire, what, Flaxian uh, homeworld? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like two like two minutes? If uh, Superman had just let go and lost all control and just went all out? Yeah, pretty much, except he's a better Superman. Uh, so let you both know I'm wearing my Superman t-shirt today. Well, that, yeah, it's the only thing in your closet. I got more. I got five more of these. It's yeah. the only thing in my closet. I believe it. <laughs> but no, I, I do like how they make Omni-Man really complex, because even after that first turn of him being a villain, that's not like, well, not so much a villain, but him killing the Guardians of the Globe... They, they give him a more complex dynamic after that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even even with... I mean, like, if you look at each of the characters by themselves, like, even Omni-Man, like, after he leaves, and, you know, he ends up coming back in the, in the comics, like, then, you know, Mark and his mom have to deal with it. Right. You know, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of good character moments throughout the book too. Like even, I mean, even with like some of some of the, um, uh, the Guardians of the Globe too. Like, you know, I, I think the Immortal had a really good character arc, and it's funny because even if like, like if you read it issue to issue, um, like I was doing that for a while, it almost kind of like didn't you almost missed parts of it. So I think like reading it as a whole, like you could get the whole story and kind of follow along with everyone. Yeah. And, and it does really have some very deep, deep, like lesson moments too. Like one thing that, one thing that really stuck out to me is the relationship between monster girl and robot and how like whenever she turns into a, a beast, she gets a week younger. <laughs> she gets younger, but Robot acknowledges her personality for what it is and the realization that it's not really her fault that she keeps de-aging and tries to have a, a mature relationship with her. Meanwhile, Robot ends up being a human that oh. he just uses the robot for to 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 carry out his duties. Well, wasn't he yeah, wasn't he always a human though? Just had a very deformed body. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And then he used uh, Rex's DNA to make a clone of himself, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. The, the little character moments like Ray was talking about earlier. And even, like, I think, at least in the first couple arcs, like, even Mark and his, his friend, um, what's his name, William? Will, yeah. Yeah, even those, like, moments between both of them like you know especially when like 
uh, like even him start dating, dating, even though he was just doing it to get close to Mark. And then even, I think, I forgot how far along it is in the series, but when Will comes out to Mark and Mark's just like, that's awesome, man. You know, like, I think that's what Kirkman does good, especially when he's writing, is that he takes characters and like, even though it's like one whole series, he'll make you start caring about them one by one. Absolutely. So I know that's that's kind of what happened to me when I was reading Walking Dead. You know, if you read it in its entirety, you almost like start feeling for every single one of these characters. I don't think there's a, a Kirkman series out there that I haven't, you know, seen that in. Well, he makes them believable, like people that can be like just you and me on the street. Yeah. So a lot more relatable. So you can. Yeah, if they get hurt or get killed, you could, you really do feel for them. Even even with like the Superman type characters, where they seem to be, no pun intended, invincible, you see that they are, <laughs> they have vulnerable vulnerabilities, and it's not like a typical weakness. Yeah, everybody's got a vulnerability. Yeah, and um, and uh, I didn't notice too many differences between the 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 comic and the show but um i think the only one i found was um invincible or mark i should say mark's girlfriend his first girlfriend i forgot her name um amber amber yep she was um african-american in the show and white in the in the comic yeah but I mean, it's the same relationship. So she's trying to grapple with the fact that her boyfriend is is a superhero, and at first it's like really awesome until she realizes that he can't be around all the time. They, I don't know. They could have done that a bit better, in my opinion, on the show. Like where he finally feels to Amber that he's invincible, and she says, "Oh, I know, but you never told me." Yeah. So you don't trust me, and he's like. It's my secret identity. I'm not supposed to tell anybody, but I'm telling you. It's like, well, it's too late. Yeah, I'm like, all right. That, I, I mean, I get it. They're also they're still teenagers, high school, still maybe not fully developed there. But I'm like, yeah, it was. I don't know. It was a little. Uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Not That's awkward. But yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, and it's interesting because in the comic book they do flesh it out a little bit because yeah, he does tell her. And they live with that for a little bit, and then she ends up like falling for one of her 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 classmates or tutor, one of the two, I don't remember exactly who. But um, then she's like, you know, he's around here for me all the time. You're not, and I understand because you have to go save the world. So, isn't it in one of the comics? She comes to Mark and find out that she's being abused by her boyfriend or her husband at the time. So doesn't Mark like dangle him over a building and say, "Touch her again, you're dead." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I don't think Superman would do that, but Superboy would do that. All right. Uh, did you guys notice any differences between the comic and the in the show? So I said the I noticed one. The fighting was fleshed out a lot more in the episode one versus the. T- this is the comic show. Oh, you're talking about the um, fight between Omni-Man and the Guardians? The Guardians, yeah. I, I thought they'd they get a little more backstory to uh, 
the Guardians in the show versus the comic. I think they're around for a couple of panels, at least the original, at least the original uh, group. But yeah, I liked it. It just it showed more of a balanced fight. I mean, despite the fact that Omni Man is like this all powerful being, he can still get the shit kicked out of him, even though he did he did end up killing all the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like um, it was an interesting pacing because. It was only what eight episodes is the show. Yeah, but the, but they only went off of the first first volume or two, right? It was what I think it was either like the first volume, maybe the first volume and a half. Yeah, that that sounds about right because they didn't get too far into the comic. Because it's no. at least the first uh, the first collected edition, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's like the what the first two volumes. Because I think there's two, there's either two or three volumes in each collected edition. I think. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But yeah, I mean, even even for, um, even for, uh, basically, you know, having the pacing for just that. I mean, there's still so much more that they can do. I I, I was gonna say if they actually plan on going through ev- all of the volumes. They could have a, a pretty long going show. Yeah. Oh yeah, this could this could be going on for, you know, probably at, at least. I mean, I would say maybe at least ten seasons. Yeah, I would. The same, and they have enough room to do spinoffs if they really want to too, because this this world is so expanded. Yeah, I think the one thing um, that I did notice as a difference, um, basically. They made it seem like Mark was kind of someone who was just waiting for his powers instead of just, you know, accidentally discovering them, mm-hmm. which I think is different in because in the comic, he just randomly was he's working at his part time job or something. Yeah. And he like throws the trash too hard and it like ends up flying and then he tells his parents and they're like, oh, well, we knew this time was coming. Yeah. Well, like in the I know on the show, like he. He already knows that his father is Omni Man. He's from another planet, so he, and he's just waiting. Like if he's half Vulturemite, maybe he'll get the same powers as his father. Yeah, and in the comics, it's not like that. And I mean, even after like, <clears throat> even after like in that, because even in that first episode when, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Mark, when he ends up you know, saving Amber from, like, a bully, I don't remember yeah. if that even happened in the comics. Yeah, I don't remember that happening either. And yes, I, I, I mean, there's a few variations, it seems like, between um, the show and the comics, but uh-huh. I mean, for the, for the most part, it's a pretty pretty faithful adaptation, I would say. Yeah, like, the main plot points are, are followed pretty much to the T. Yeah, uh, I mean, even... I think even um, like story arc wise too, like almost every single thing that's happening in the show happened in like the first two volumes. There, mm-hmm. yeah, I um, I do like how the comic book did the power thing better though. Yeah, of yeah him. I, I I like the aspect of him accidentally finding out about his powers, and then his father opens up about where he's from and 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 what he can do. Yeah, 
I don't like the expectation of superpowers because that's just that cuts out a little bit of character development. Yeah, I think one of the other um, things that uh, was pretty interesting, at least, was just kind of like the way that you know they they kind of were introducing um, what's his name, Damian Darkblood. Yep. And I feel like that went on a lot longer than it actually did in the comics. Mm-hmm. Well, he's voiced by Clancy Brown. I would hope they get a little more screen time. That man's a national treasure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, what was uh, one of your favorite villains from the comic book? Because I know there's a, there's so many in comparison to the show right now, of course. But um, give me one second. I actually kind of liked when uh, uh, the arc with um, what's his name, Angstrom Levy. Yeah, because I like the fact that you know he was disfigured and basically blamed Invincible, and mm-hmm. and throughout the series. Like he, he he basically is just trying to make Invincible's life a living hell. Um, up until the point where like he he ends up uh, stranding him in like a different dimension. Yeah. And Invincible has to try to find his way back. Um, yeah, I think Levy was a good. One. I would say the whole Viltrumite Empire because that entire, you know, looming threat throughout the entire series up until the end is just. Uh, they're just a, a, a great cast of you know villains, mm-hmm. and they're and they're also unique too. Yeah, each of them are, are like uh, you know completely different from the other one. Um, and I I think one of my well one of my other favorite ones I don't know if he's a villain but I just, I just really like Battle Beast. I like Battle Beast too. Yeah. Well, I like Battle Beast because he's voiced by Michael Dorn. Yeah, I just like him because he's like, you know, he just wants to fight and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think even even when it comes to the enemies, like in the series, like Kirkman fleshes them out really good. Yep. Um, even up until the point where like throughout the series, like there's that twist where, you know, Robot becomes a villain. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, no, and I mean when it comes to like I don't know. I felt like they were definitely portrayed differently in the show than in the comic, but I mean, it is kind of hard to like, you know, get that tone. I think. Yeah, I I agree. I'm 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 a fan of because uh, just because he looks cool, I like Doc Seismic. Yeah, Doc Seismic's pretty cool. Don't know if he'll have a a huge role in in the show, but in the comic, he's pretty cool. Yeah this like lava type monster um definitely had a star-studded cast i'll go through real quick oh yeah Um, almost every single person was yep just uh an a-list you know voice actor or actor yep steve yoon steven yoon as invincible jk simmons as omni-man mark hamill as art rosenbaum yep Seth Rogen as Alan the Alien. Zachary Walt. Quinto as Rudy Connors. Yeah, Alien Walt. Jacobs as Samantha Eve. <laughs> Sandra O oh as Debbie Grayson. 
Walter Goggins as Cecil. Yeah, he's my favorite. Of course, Clancy Brown is Damian Darkblood. I lost, yeah. I lost my shit when I saw that Jason Mansukis was Rexplode. Oh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> he's just hilarious, and I, I did not expect him to be in a, a show like this. But like, overall, yeah. like, such a star-studded cast. You even had uh, Carrie Payton in. Yes. Black mm-hmm. Samson. Um, yeah, I think it, it's cool because I feel like each of them, you know, kind of brought their own uh, way they voice act into the character. Um, I know uh, Ross Marquand, did, did, uh, he voices Robot. Um, but he also voiced uh, the Immortal too, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I mean, they got a lot of. It's funny looking at the um, hmm. the lineup. They have basically a bunch of Walking Dead alums in there. Yep. Um, Lauren Cohen Cohen played War Woman. Yep. Michael Martin Green played Green Ghost. Chad Coleman's in it. Michael Cudlitz like. Is Red Rush? Basically, they. <laughs> that was a brutal scene with Red Rush. Everything was slowed down as. Omni Man basically popped his head like a pet dispenser. And even like A listers, like I didn't know I didn't even know Marshall Ali was in it. Yep. Me neither. So like I mean I said his yeah. name right. And even uh I didn't I didn't know Ezra Miller was in it either. So and, Yep, didn't know that. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that they got a lot of good voice talent for it. Um as, if I remember correctly, um, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen also worked on Preacher, I think. So it's interesting that they have kind of their, um, you know, toes in, you know, the the boys, Preacher, Invincible. So it, it's kind of cool that they're doing, like, all these, like, indie books. Yeah, they're finally getting the uh, the limelight they deserve. Yeah, which I mean is is pretty cool because I mean even if I remember correctly, like when it first came out, like everyone loved the show too. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was universally to, loved. Uh, yeah, talking to a couple of my friends and they're like, "Oh, did you ever, you know, uh, hear about this show Invincible?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I read the whole thing." And they're like, "Oh, we didn't even know it was a comic or something." Like, and then between didn't the like teaser for season two just come out like a few months ago? Yep. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. I even got my dad to watch a little bit of this with me. That's cool. Yeah, he, he's he's not a comic fan or anything like that, but he said it, he liked it because it was different. It was a different take on the whole, like the whole superhero genre that he grew up with in the in the sixties and seventies. Hmm. Yeah, but he was more of a sci-fi fan anyway. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, there is sci-fi stuff to it too, because yeah. I mean, of course, the Viltrumites are from space, and there's a lot of villains from space. So that this whole world covers a lot of different things. You think in season two they'll do more world building outside of Earth? Um, I'm trying to remember what happens in the next volume and a half of the comic book. Um, yeah, I think there will because Alan the alien plays a bigger part. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, you know what's funny? I was actually, after watching that teaser, I was trying to remember what happened. <laughs> and they have, have they even released a, a release date yet? Uh, all I know was 2023, so. 
Um, yeah, I don't think there's a month or a day yet. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say probably like maybe summer, summer-ish. I th- yeah, I think it's later this year, and I, I believe fall of 2023, but I could be wrong. Because even in the trailer, it still had like almost a, almost a year to be released. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those good franchises there. If you can uh, do it correctly, it turns out pretty good. I th- I definitely think uh, animation was the way to go with it. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I don't know if this I don't know if this would be portrayed as well in a live action series. How about uh, on the CW? <laughs> and I know I saw an article saying that I think they're still planning on like doing a movie with it too. Interesting, but I mean, I'm not entirely sure how that would even work. I feel like it's a lot to try to fit into a movie. Yeah, I think it's the world is too big, and there's way too many important characters for it to fit into a movie. Yeah, that's why I feel like you know, especially when it comes to like comic book media, some of it just works better as a show than a movie. In animation style, rather than live action, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean. Well, I know when we were talking about uh, in our animation episode, we were talking about the boys' animation, and I feel like if you tried to do like an animation series with the boys, I don't think it would turn out as well as you could do it with live action. Right. And even when it comes to uh, like I I watched uh, Preacher for like what was it four seasons or something four or five? I think so. Yeah. And I even think what they did with that was really good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just think that when you have, like, all of these different aliens and all of these different mutations and all of these different bad guys, um, you have to do animation because otherwise it's going to be an extremely expensive live-action show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And especially since, like, you know, I mean, other other movies have tried to do it where, like, they have a bunch of different creatures and whatnot, but they're, like, CGI in there in the background. In this series, most of the other characters actually play a role, so they'd have to be given a lot more screen time. Yeah, and I feel like if they tried to do that, like, in, like, a live-action way, it just wouldn't work out the way no. that it's intended to. They can probably go with the depiction of violence in the in a cartoon versus yeah. live action. I don't, I yeah, don't, I definitely agree with that too. I don't see any major TV network picking this up on live action if you want the same level of violence as you had in the comic. I I definitely agree with that. But we'll see where it goes. Um, season two's coming out sometime this year. I th- it does it does feel like a, a summer show though oh yeah i think it definitely is i mean i don't really know what amazon has coming out for shows so i feel like this will probably be their you know their summer slot yeah summer blockbuster something like that before they get ready for oh no because rings of powers isn't going to be for another couple of years so maybe yeah, not. That's, that, that's at least for another couple of years yeah yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I can't wait to finish the comic to see how it finishes up. 
Any last thoughts for either one of you? Uh, I mean, I think show-wise, well, I'd give it maybe maybe an 8 out of 10. Yeah. I definitely felt like some of it was a little drawn out too much. Mm. But, I mean, as far as, you know, staying true to the source material, it definitely hit the spot in some areas. Do you guys feel it could potentially go the way of The Walking Dead? And I'm just saying because I had a hard time following The Walking Dead after season five or six. This is basically the same formula over and over again. I liked it when they brought when they brought like Negan back, but I know I know Kirkman spent a lot of time on the Walking Dead comic line and also the Invincible comic line. Just do you guys feel that I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not? Like if the show goes on for too long, it could get like a watered down version of of like the Walking Dead like we had on AMC. Um, I don't think so, just because the plot for Invincible is a lot more complex than Walking Dead because essentially all Walking Dead is is a zombie apocalypse and it has a smaller narrative that are yeah. character driven. Okay. Invincible is both. I think Invincible has a much larger plot concept mm-hmm. and also has bigger character arcs and a lot more diverse characters than The Walking Dead, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like at least when it comes to like uh, Invincible, it's also a larger universe too. Because yep. like, there's parts where they're not just staying on Earth. You know, they're in space or they're on yeah. okay the, in a different dimension or they're on the Viltrumite homeworld. And like, I think like also like because it's animated, I feel like it, there's a, a harder chance for it to get you know, watered down, I guess you could say. I think when it comes to live action, like, especially with The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, like, there was a lot of, like, you know, the, the actors get tired of doing the show. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. basically, once you shine up for a show, your contract says you're doing X amount of seasons and then you can renew it. And then, like, you know, that means, you know, some of these guys miss out on other, you know, acting opportunities. Yeah. But I think, like, I think The Walking Dead is also a, spe- a special case, too, because they deviated not, like, super far from the comics, but to the point where, you know, fans can tell, like, oh, this wasn't like the comic. And, like, yeah, especially when it comes to, like, me, if you're not doing stuff exactly like how I think it is in the comics, then I'll end up, you know, losing interest or I won't like the direction it's going. Like, I think I watched up until when Negan first showed up, yeah. And then I tried watching like a little more after that, but then after they like just kept killing all like the main characters and basically used, you know, all these secondary characters as main characters, I think that's when, especially like uh, shows start, you know, not getting my appeal. Like I liked, I loved the first season of Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And then I think as soon as they got rid of like that core cast and they just kept bringing random people in, I immediately lost interest. Yeah. This that's hit or miss, I think. I mean, if I guess if they do it the right way, it works. If they don't, you're in trouble. Yeah, I think that's the problem, especially when it comes to like uh comic book shows. Like if you deviate too far from your source material you know, you risk the the problem of alienating your, your crowd, which, you know, 
we all know, like, nerds are pretty picky about stuff. Yeah, yep. we are. Eh, we'll see. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, season two. Yeah, and, and it is, I mean, I can't really think of any other, like, animated superhero show that, well, I mean, I guess other than Harley Quinn, that's just as violent. Yeah. Don't really couple them together either. Oh yeah, um, it, it seems yeah, it seems like Invincible's kind of on its own anyway, so it doesn't yeah. really. I don't think it'll struggle to keep an audience. Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to like the the animated comic book shows, because like you know, Invincible has all this source material you can pull from, right? Harley Quinn is just basically they created and now the writers are kind of doing their own thing with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, like I haven't watched some of the other stuff. Like I know um, Mark Millar's Super Crooks came out, but I don't think I ever ended up watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't even hear about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, based off one of the, the Mark Millar comics. And I think like in the, in the, the comics are really good, but I don't know. I'd have to watch the show and see if it, you know, kind of added up. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one difficult part, especially when it comes to trying to find that good balance between, you know, your source material and animation. Yeah. Like it's almost the same problem, like not problem, same, same stuff that happens with anime, right? So you had like the first season of, I'll take The Promised Neverland, for example. The first season of The Promised Neverland was really good. And then the second season, they deviated so far from the manga that, you know, it got everyone who <laughs> was a fan of that series upset. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think, yeah. I think especially with, because I don't remember looking, was was Kirkman an EP on this or no? I believe he was. Let me look really quick. I saw his names in the credit, but I don't know what capacity. Hold on. And like, just uh, going backtracking a little bit, like even more recently when we talked about um, the anime Tokyo Ghoul, same thing. Yeah. They deviated from the manga in season two and lost a lot of people. And I think that's kind of like, you know, even even when it comes to like, right, we, we've been talking about how great uh, Last of Us is right now. And that's because you're you're staying straight with the source material, you know, mm-hmm. and you have Neil Druckmann who helped create the entire franchise as a huge part of it. Right. And I know, like, I actually liked the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead. I know it wasn't, like, as close to the comics as it was, but I think the fact that Robert Kirkman has such a huge, huge hand in it, like, it helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kirkman created it actually and wrote some of the episodes and actually ryan otley was is also credited credited as a co-creator for the show too but did they have like involvement in it uh that's what it seems like it seems like let's see uh robert wrote one episode did the screenplay for one episode ryan otley wrote five episodes um Let's see if they produced any of it. And I think that also, because um, you, because um, Otley worked with, uh, 
what was what was he just doing with Donny Cates? Um, well, he did. He he jumped into Marvel and he did Spider Man with Nick Spencer. Did you read any of that run? I read a little bit of that run, yeah. And I think that was, you know, his art transitioned really well, especially mm-hmm. like going to like, you know, Marvel heroes. Yeah. But right now, currently, I'm not sure if he's actually writing Hulk or if he's just doing the art. But it seems like Donnie Cates isn't part of it anymore, and I don't know what the whole deal. I haven't read anything about Donnie Cates lately, but yeah, it seems like Donnie Cates fell off the the wagon a little bit. Because it looks it looks like they've got someone else taking over for Thor, um, the same uh, person who was to, who did the uh, the Valkyrie miniseries mm-hmm. with Jane Foster. Yep. But right now it looks like Otley is doing the writing and the drawing for Hulk. And I mean, the drawing is always fantastic for Motley, but I'm not sold on his writing. Yeah. Um, Robert Kirkman also uh, produced nine of the episodes, too. Okay. So they have a pretty good hand in it. I think, like, when you have that kind of hand, like, especially from creators, I know we're going to be, well, well, I actually wanted to touch upon this when we talk about the big DC news, because. I was reading a, a few articles about a lot of stuff that's been going on in it um, because, you know, obviously it's a huge thing. And it was funny. I was talking to uh, uh, my friend Dan about, like, some of the series that are coming out and how, like, well, I'll talk about it later. But, no, I think, like, if you have someone who has such a huge hand in that and, like, helps create everything, then I think you're pretty much golden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, any last thoughts on this? Uh, no, I mean, I think as long as they don't stray too far from the source material, I think we'll be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I like that. All right, now it's time for Ian to shine. <laughs> so, our next topic is we're going to be talking about the DC movie slate that was announced a little while ago. What is it, I think, two weeks ago now? I think so, yeah. And some of the trailers that are going to be coinciding with some of the projects mm-hmm. in this slate announcement. So, um, Ian, as the resident uh, DC fan, tell us about uh, what's coming out. <sighs> well, we got uh, the Flash movie, uh, which I'm happy that it's finally coming out. Hopefully, Urza doesn't do anything uh, crazy to get himself kicked out. This time, we'll see. We got Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which I'm excited for because, as you both know, I'm a huge Supergirl fan as well. Uh-huh. Based on ooh, based on Tom King's comic stories, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, new version of Superman. This would be the fourth reincarnation in what thirty years. Yeah, which is actually not that bad. I guess, yeah. As much. As much as I am going to miss Henry Cavill as the Man of Steel, I will see what happens in 2025 with this new with this new um, uh, Superman. And looks like they're trying to get Swamp Thing back into back into play, Eric. Yeah, I'm. In. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and now we got the Brave and the Bold with Batman. Yeah, it's uh, when I saw this, I actually think it was a bit interesting how they're organizing it, though. Um, yeah. So James Gunn had come out and basically said that, what is it? Um, it's 
the Flash, the Flash Shazam. Hold on. Oh, Shazam, we've known about for a while now. I've seen... Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is the he basically split it out into three different phases. Yeah. The universe reset. The universe reset phase is Shazam: Fear of the Gods, The Flash, Aquaman two, and Blue Beetle, and they and that's what he's using to reset the whole DC universe. Then you have what is called Chapter One: mm-hmm. Gods and Monsters, and that's Creature uh, Commandos, which is going to be an animated show. Paradise Lost, which is going to be about um, the mascara and the Amazon woman, a TV show about Amanda Waller, and he did. James Gunn did say that Amanda Waller is going to be a major player moving forward. Of course, yeah, yeah. Bat- Batman: Brave and the Bold, Booster, Booster Gold, Gold, Superman Legacy, TV show yeah. about lanterns, The Authority, and then Swamp Thing. So that's chapter one. Lanterns that, would be really nice to have because I think the yeah. last movie we had was what um, Ryan Reynolds back in 2010. Yep, and it was one of those projects that they had been talking about doing for years and just never did it. Um, I don't know if it'll come true, but they are focusing on two lanterns rather than just one. Yeah. Um, who those are, I'm not sure yet. I think they're going to focus on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, but I couldn't tell you who the actors are going to be for them yet. Right. And then what's interesting is then they have a a separate section that's reserved for the DC Elseworlds, and that is going to be the Joker movies, the Batman movies, Teen Titans Go, and Superman and Lois. So I got a question for both, both of you guys. Do we need a sequel to the Joker movie? Um, I would like to see a sequel just because um, just because I'd like to see what they do with the Harley. Okay. It, I don't think so. I think it was a good one off, but yeah. I always get worried about sequels. I mean, if they're done right, great. If not, then yeah, it kind of deviate, kind of takes away from the uh, original. Uh-huh. Um, I'm interested to see about them bringing in maybe the lesser known heroes. I mean, people that we wouldn't think would have it their own movie, like uh, Blue Beetle. See, I'm gonna go and say the opposite with you. I think they really yeah. need to get their main characters right before they start doing the spinoffs. I think it's like what Marvel's starting to do wrong. Like, you still have yeah. a lot of well known heroes you haven't done that can further elevate the world that you're building. But when you go into characters that you don't know as well, you really have to make them stand out and put a lot of effort into making sure they have a strong presence in that universe for anybody to really care about the character. Well, here's my question then, Eric. So if uh, outside of the comic world, like, I mean, every DC person knows about blue beetle firestorm uh booster gold the general audience that or ain't that these movies basically aimed for do they know about blue beetle anybody like that i mean if you think the justice league their first thoughts are superman batman wonder woman maybe the flash 
Well, you see, the way I think the way you have to look at it, though, right, is you mm-hmm. want to really start with the biggest audience you can possibly have so you can get money to build off those yeah. other characters. You're always going to get the diehard DC fans with those yeah. many, the, those lesser known characters, but you have to make sure that you have enough of a fan base and, a, and enough income to make sure that you can fund those projects to keep that universe going. Yeah, true. I always thought that here's how if I don't know I'm just I'm gonna do a little bit of a tangent if the way I the way I would I would foresee to be done or like the ideal way for me is you get a you get like a big name you get a big name um, you know hero Batman Superman Wonder Woman but you then you include in their movie uh, the lesser known heroes but then by the sequel you could build those lesser known heroes up give them a little more of a backstory for the general audience and then you can take. They can take off on their own. Now, see, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like my personal opinion on it mm-hmm. is I would rather have those lesser known characters start out in their own project and then work their way into the team. Mm-hmm. Because by including them in those team up movies, number one, they're going to have a really small role anyway. Yeah. And, and it almost is it's almost always presented in a way that they're just a, a shoehorn character so that they can get an extra TV show. I would prefer them to just start off on their own and then w- work their way in. Yeah. Yeah. To give it a shot. If they can do it right. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all on board for that. I'm just always worried that, you know, the general people don't know Blue Beal, don't know Firestorm. I, they're great characters and I love to get them on the big screen. I just hopefully people know about them before. The movie comes out they're interested in going to, going to see it right and, the, and of course i think that's also where trailers and stuff come in but... yeah we'll see what well, what are your overall thoughts ray of everything that was announced uh oh i got a lot all right let's bring just, it I'm waiting for you guys to finish <laughs> <laughs> um so i think i think overall it's a good idea especially when you know gun was talking about who he was bringing together, I guess, like during his writer's room summit. And this is an article from Variety. Um, basically, he brought in Drew Goddard, who worked on The Martian, uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy Slater, who worked on Moon Knight, Christina Hobson, who worked on The Flash and Batgirl, Crystal Henry, who did the HBO series Watchmen, and even Tom King. Um, it that. sounds like, what was that? Oh, I saw that for for uh, Supergirl, Tom King, his comic line for her. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like they're they're each going to be working kind of like on their own projects in here, and especially I think especially when you're trying to figure out this kind of what are we going to do? Because obviously everyone knows DC is kind of in the toilet when it comes to you know TV, movies, anything like that. It's like there's there's so, no it's. There's no direction. It's it's like a rudderless ship. Yeah, that's Keeps why it's in the toilet. Yeah. So I think the fact that, no, well. you know, James Gunn is kind of ready to, like, you know, sit down and let's start working on it. And I don't know. Their plan sounds a little sketchy. Like, they want to do two films and two series a year into the DCU. But I feel like if you're going to try to do that, like, basically, basically from what was it, last, not last Monday or the Monday before, until 2027, 
right now only the Superman movie and the Batman part two have release dates. So, I mean, breaking it down. Um, so your, your first thing is right. Superman legacy, which is going to be the whole start of the DCU. And that's not supposed to come out until 2025. Mm-hmm. So you have all of this time, like 2023 until 2025, till it basically sounds like we're not going to have, you know, any kind of DC media, you know, albeit besides whatever's going to be coming out on HBO Max. But even though, yeah. even with that being said, they canceled Titans and Doom Patrol. That I heard. The only I... thing they have right now is Harley Quinn. And Gunn didn't even say where that fits into everything. So It might not. It might be its own thing. So I think, you know, the fact that they're starting it off in 2025 means they obviously have had their writer's room and everything like that, but they're still trying to figure out the direction. And I, I understand, like, it's going to take a while, but the fact that it's going to be till 2025. Now, you also got to think about, like, I know Eric and I have talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel fatigue, like, Phase 4 was obviously very underwhelming. Yep. And with Ant-Man kicking off Phase 5, we got to see if that kind of, you know... Kickstarts it? What? Like, kickstarts it back into what it was? Yep. That's what I was going to say. Sorry. This is, this is a bigger moment than any for DC to get back on track and overtake Marvel. Like this is this is their chance. I personally think that they are waiting to see how successful the Flash is before they a hundred percent confirm anything. Oh. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that there are projects that are currently in development, and they didn't want to announce it until they. Re- figure out if the flash is going to be a hit or not. Yeah, but because, because they really are using flash to kickstart everything. Yeah, even if they are though, like at the same time you're not going to have anything until 2025. Yeah. I know that there's like they've said stuff's been in production and stuff like that, but for everyone who knows, production is just a, a, a name. Mhm. You know. Production can stretch on for a while, not just uh you know, six months or a year. It could be a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, basically, I mean, I know that I agree with what you said earlier, Eric, how they need to get their, you know, big ones kind of in a row because that's kind of what mm-hmm. Marvel did. Yeah. Yep. Right? That's how they started off the whole MCU by getting, you know, uh, Iron Man a movie, Captain America movie, Thor movie, Hulk a requel movie. <clears throat> but... I think at the same time, like, because um, isn't J.J. Abrams still supposed to be doing the Superman movie too? I think he is. I'm, I'm not sure, actually. As I far as heard... I know, he's still supposed to be doing it. I think, uh, what's his name? He, he just got done with Captain America. Uh, Tanese Coates is supposed mm-hmm. to be writing it. But I think that's supposed to be part of you know, guns, quote unquote, Elseworlds, which is where the Batman and the Joker part two falls under. Right. Um, but I mean, I think when it comes to the lineup, I think they have a good, good way to, you know, kind of, kind of pull characters yeah. from like they have the authority, which is, you know, came from Wildstorm, which was basically an independent company under DC that was, 
you know, headed by Jim Lee. And then they kind of folded them into the DC universe. Did they do that with the Flashpoint comic back in the early 2000s? Uh, it was with New 52. Okay. Because remember the Flashpoint Paradox movie that came out, they had included Wildstorm in that. So I think the fact that, you know, that they they have a good bench to pull from, but, you know, it's also kind of like, what are they going to be doing? And I mean, I know he talked about like his plan for the Batman Brave and the Bold, but whenever you hear Brave and the Bold, you think of like a Batman team up with someone. Right. Yeah. This is basically going to be like Batman with Damien, which I don't think of Brave and the Bold when I hear that. I think of, you know, Grant Morrison's titular Batman and Robin Ron when Mm -hmm. Nightwing was Batman and he had to deal with, you know, basically reining Damien in. Yeah being like a father figure because you know batman found out about damien before batman r.i.p and basically not like dropped him off with dick but dick had to end up you know becoming a father figure with damien take over the mantle yeah and even like i mean i got somewhat excited when he talked about uh woman of tomorrow this new supergirl movie but the way you know gun kind of described it was a lot different than I think how Tom King portrayed it in the comic. So I'm just wondering if, you know, if it's going to be portrayed like that, because I, I mean, I don't really care about Supergirl as a character, but that Tom King run kind of like, I mean, it's, I think it was like 12 issues or something, but that Tom King run kind of like, you know, got me interested in the character. So, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see the way it goes. Um, And I think Swamp Thing was the last movie they talked about, right? Yep, and I was actually surprised that they would introduce him so soon. Because these are all supposed to, like, these ones I was just talking about are supposed to be movies. Mm -hmm. So those ones, like, and I think, um, you know, they did such a good job with the show. You know, it almost makes me wonder if, uh, who's the guy we met? Derek Mears? Yep. Yeah, it almost makes me kind of wonder if you know maybe he's going to be coming back for us himself. Right. Like I wonder. I, I wonder. Now I don't think we talked about what series it's supposed to pick up from. Right. It's supposed to be pick up off Alan Moore's. Right. Yep. I believe so. I believe he had said something along those lines. I, I take it they're not going to tie it into the show that came out a couple years ago on uh, DC Universe. I mean, I would assume not. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, jumping into television now, and I know we're kind of, I'm kind of just listing off what they're going to be doing. I'm going to announce everything. But their first television one is going to be Creature Commandos, which mm-hmm. that was first, I think they first appeared in like 1980 or something. And basically it's, you know, almost like classic horror monsters, like Frankenstein's monsters there. There's a werewolf, a vampire, Gorgon. Mm-hmm. And, but it sounds like... You know, it doesn't. It sounds like uh, Gunn's version is going to be a little more different. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it was kind of weird when he was talking about it because his decision to have, you know, the actors that voice the characters playing, you know, live action later. I don't know how well that turns out. You know, right? He's 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 trying. He's almost trying to do what Star Wars did. And I mean, the problem with that. I mean, I personally think like sometimes whoever your your uh, 
director or EPs are, they don't have that same kind of vision, you know? Right. I know Gunn's like, hey, let's use this voice actor. So, like, for example, if they made an Invincible movie and cast Steve Yoon as Mark. Yeah. I don't know if that would work well. I, he, he sounds great, you know, as a voice actor, and he's a great actor. But I don't know if that, you know, translates as well. Well, right. Steve's in his, like, 30s and 40s now, right? So I'd be playing, like, a 17-year-old high school on live action. Yeah, that, one, that might not fly. <laughs> So, like, I mean, but, I mean, obviously with the Creature Commandos, there's different ways you can do it because you have, you know, makeup, you have all this yeah, kind of... Like, CGI. Yeah, CGI and other stuff you can do. And then, I mean, so next, right, we have the, the what, the Waller show? Yep. Yep. Which are, are, kept me already not interested. <laughs> not that I don't think she's a good character, but... But I'm also wondering, though... This is supposed to be a continuation of Peacemaker. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, is all of James Gunn's stuff in the DC Universe still in play? What do you mean? The whole Suicide Squad and Peacemaker stuff. Oh, he said that. Yeah, he said that right away. So that'll be interesting to see what that show even looks like. Because, again, I mean, Amanda Waller was both in that and the stupid black adam movie too so which yeah. amanda waller were we going to get to i mean i think it's just going to be the same amanda waller i don't think it's going to be any kind of different amanda waller in my opinion mm-hmm. i think it's going to be it's obviously still viola davis and it's obviously she's still going to be doing the same thing she's been doing so do you think she'll have anything to do with the justice society then uh, well no absolutely not because he, he's not going to use them okay he's not going to use anything that basically has come out before what he's done besides the fact that he said that you know Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Zachary Levi, the guy who's playing Blue Beetle, like they're still on the table, they're not cut out or anything. Oh, good. So, there's he's still going to be using them if he wants to, and I think that's one of the things. Is I mean, I like James Gunn, I think he's great, mm-hmm. but I think the fact that he's kind of like taking this in a direction where I'm not sure if it's going to be, you know, the way to take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it sounds like, not that he's like got too much going on, but it sounds like his vision is so big. It might just end up, you know, imploding in on itself. Right. Well, I think <laughs> like the foundation started, then yeah, you can progress down the line, but this is the problem with DC that I've had for the last like Warner Brothers for the last 10 years. They've always managed to, have have to hit the reset button, and I don't know if it's because they're desperately trying to catch up with uh, the MCU universe, and they feel they have to rush as many movies out as possible, or the team well, every time they do it, it ends up backfiring on them. And I think that's it has. I don't think it has anything to do with like the directors. I think it has to do with the the CEOs of Warner Bros. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing that kind of like comes into play, like. It took so long for all of these DC movies to come out because of Warner Brothers basically holding on tight to these ideas and, you know, holding on to their creative decisions where they didn't let anyone have any kind of say in it, right? So Zack Snyder, who's, I I think his Justice League was really good. Yeah, it was awesome. Fantastic. And I think he just came out the other day, um, you know, talking that, saying that, 
he ended up talking to James Gunn about, you know, his ideas for the DC universe. And, you know, Gunn said that Zack Snyder contacted him to support his choices. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, Snyder's pretty much behind him the whole way. It'll now be curious that if in the future he gets strung in there. Yeah, and I think, well, it's funny, there's, I saw a a rumor online that they want, uh, like, a lot of fans are trying to convince Snyder to sell all of his, you know, DC stuff and his DC characters to Netflix. That'll be interesting. Interesting. Which, I mean, I never saw, what was that movie he did? The the zombie movie he did? Oh, Oh, The Dead, 2003. No, this was um Oh the uh, new one, yeah. The, the one about Vegas and the bank heist. Yeah, I never watched that. It was actually pretty good. Okay. I actually enjoyed that one. It was like Army of the Dead, I think. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, well, it, it, it would be nice to breathe a little more fire into Netflix because they keep seeing to be canceling shows after one season and whenever whenever I get the uh the resolution, eighteen ninety nine was one of them. Sorry, a little, a little, a little about that. And then, uh, you know, so then I mean, the other shows that are going to be coming out, we got the the Green Lantern show, which they described as kind of like True Detective, but yeah, you know, there was like what four or five different seasons of True Detective, and each of them were completely different. Yeah. So you know, we're, are you going to get the cool mystical one that was season one, or the one that was about real estate? Right. Exactly. You know, so it's just really interesting to see how they're going to be doing it. And, you know, then they have Paradise Lost, which I figured you'd be excited for this one, Eric, because they said it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah. Which, I mean... Finiscare is pretty violent. After watching House of the Dragon, I'm not sure how I feel about it. (laughs) Well, and, and my thing, too, I don't know much about, like, the Wonder Woman world, but, like, are there, is there that much variety for it to even be like a Game of Thrones type of show? Because Game of Thrones is a lot more than just violence. So, I don't know, you probably haven't been reading it, but there was this three-issue series that just finished, I think, last month or the month before called uh historia of the amazons i heard of it it was i forgot who wrote it i think gail simone wrote it and it had a different artist each each issue and i wasn't really the only reason i picked it up was because the artists because phil jimenez did one nicola nicola scott did one and i think phil jimenez did the last one but it was actually a really cool insight into the world of themiscara Um, So it almost makes me kind of wonder if maybe that's what they're going to base it off of, even though the title is basically about the comic series that was written by Phil Jimenez and drawn by, you know, George Perez. So, but I mean, I think like, I don't know, I feel, I, I always feel like Wonder Woman is a hard character to not write, but you know, after how great I, th- I thought the first Wonder Woman was, the first one was the best. Was and awesome. how 1984 wasn't that great. Nope, it's just it a huge short. deviation. You know what I mean? She she's a she's a I think she's a hard character to get right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But they have the right actress for her right now. I yeah, agree. I, yeah. It, it, 
begs the point if, you know, obviously everyone likes Gal Gadot as Wonder mm-hmm. Woman, but it just, it begs the point of, you know, will they ask her to come back? Or since this is a pre-Wonder Woman series, will they even use... Um, oh, the, ch- the, act, the child act? Yeah. The no, who, who's the woman who played her mom in the movie? Oh, yeah, what was her name? Um, Robin Wright. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, will they use, you know, Robin Wright and all the other Amazons who were in there before her? You know what I mean? And and will they even use Wonder Woman as a character in general, or will they just use one of the Amazons from that show to propel that 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 side of the universe forward? And that kind of begs us back to the question that you provided in the first part of our talking about this. How come they don't have their, you know, big three set? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I agree. That'd be interesting. You know, it'll be I I think we'll get a better idea once we get um number one, the first flash trailer. And number two, how well the flash movie does. Fingers crossed on that one. I'm really hoping for it, pulling for it. Yeah, and like, I mean, it'll be interesting because and what one of the things that popped out to me too is all of the CW shows will be done minus Superman and Lois. I've actually enjoyed that one so far, and I didn't think I would because I've not really a huge fan of the CW. But in me, in my mind, they've done it right. On live on the live action TV show, and I really enjoyed Tyler as uh, Superman. So we'll see. They just I don't know. CW for me is hit or miss. I mean, it was great with Small. So yeah, I mean, the Smallville was great growing up. Like I said, um, for whatever reason, I mean, Arrow was great the first couple of seasons, but then for whatever reason, the CW. I don't know. It, it's like. They were trying to combine like a superhero genre with people, uh, you know, teenage. I don't know. Well, you could make the argument that they it wasn't actually... a teenager in era. <laughs> well, yeah. no, but like like teenage like themes the like dude, the dude was like a grown ass man. <laughs> was it wasn't like half the show who's like, oh, Felicia, yes or no? I'm like, dude, just. You're fucking green hair. I'm sorry, but you got well, it's, it's because it was built almost. Fall in love, man. You can fall in love, but you can't be a damn teenager about it. Uh, it was just drama. It was like a soap opera drama. That's why. Well, but yeah, like, dude, if he's a superhero, he's already got the drama there. You don't need more drama. But I also feel like I don't know, and it's it's hard to compare what James Gunn's plan is to. Like, you know, Smallville or, like, the CW shows. Because yeah. I feel like those were different eras. You know what I mean? Like, Smallville was kind of like when, you know, companies were first getting their feet wet in the superhero yeah. business. Trying to figure out what would work and what wouldn't work. And especially, especially, like, what was it? Like, 2000 it came out or something like that? Yeah. With, like, like, special effects was, from Zach Brayton. That was the era when I think a lot of, you know, companies said, oh, we can make money off this. So let's try to promote this to younger audiences who, you know, might not care as much. 
I mean, and you can also give them the benefit that they were the first ones to do a multiverse. I definitely yeah. agree. Well, I don't know about Smallville. Smallville never really had multiverses. Right, but like even with the current, well, the the more recent iteration of their little superhero universe, they yeah, had the crossover mean, events. The Arrowverse, they had a bunch of awesome crossover events. I mean, yep. I still think their Crisis on Infinite Earths was really good too. Because mm-hmm. that even brought in, like, you know, Lucifer from the Fox show when it was on Fox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it even brought in, like, you know, Constantine. And it, and it made reference to the fact that, you know, each of the television Earths, like, I know they had Burt Ward in an episode when, like, a, when it opened saying that this was, you know, the, the Adam West Burt Ward world. Mm-hmm. And they even had uh, the dude who played the reporter from Batman 89. He was in an episode. And like they even said that the Titans had their own Earth and even Swamp Thing was its own Earth. So I think near the end, it was definitely the way to do it. I'm just not sure if, you know, right now with how the Flash is looking, I mean, we haven't even seen a trailer. We just got the poster, you know. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Yep. Because is this going to actually be, you know, a flashpoint to reset this DC universe to where James Gunn's vision starts taking place? Or is this going to be, you know, kind of like a final step where you basically see Flash running into the Speed Force? Yep. And um, I I personally like Barry Allen's my favorite Flash. And I think Ezra Miller played him really good in the Snyder Justice League. Um I liked his little quirky ticks and stuff like that. Yep. Um I you know think that this should be kind of like his swan song to the end of the Snyderverse era. Yeah. I I I personally think this is the the make it or break it for DC. Yep. I think this is going to be the one movie that's going to decide it. If they nail it, I can foresee DC becoming more popular than, than Marvel, I think. If they yep. don't nail it, what's going to happen? Yep, I I think I think if you know, if this is the way they're going to start it and you know, reset this entire timeline, then this is going to be the, the 100% way it's going to work. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Um, I see. Which, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, we'll, well, I'll save the last part of the, the gun plan for after this, but, I mean, we can talk about the Flash for a little bit if you want. Yeah. Well, I was going to, I mean, I was even going to go into, like, the trailers that are coming up for the Super Bowl, because The Flash is one of them. Okay, well, let me, let me finish, uh, let me finish my, my gun spiel, and then, then we can go into that. Sure. Um, so the last thing that's on Gun's lineup, and I saved the best for last, obviously, uh, Booster Gold. Gold, which, <laughs> you know, I think with it being a TV series, that's the way to do it, you know? Uh, I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out because 
basically he was just a hero who arrived kind of like on the scene in Justice League International, and then they kind of gave him his own series. So it's interesting to see if he's going to be pulling all the same kind of schemes he pulled in like his series, or mm-hmm. if this is going to be like a more serious, you know, Booster Gold. Um, and it's funny because I saw an article saying uh, like they were wondering who was going to be playing Booster Gold, and the Chris Pratt got thrown out for it. Like, oh wow, the okay. name got the name got thrown out for it, which I think wouldn't be bad. He's got the persona for but, it. Um, you know who else did? Uh, Glenn Powell. And uh, the guy who plays Dennis and It's Always Sunny. Oh, oh I can see that a little. I can and see I that. could totally see that. You know, I could totally see, like, Glenn Powell playing uh, a Booster Gold and, like, maybe even, like, Charlie Day playing a, a Ted Cord. Mm-hmm. You know? The old blue and gold team. So I think that would be kind of cool. Um, incidentally, I did see people saying online, you know, after we talked about Justin Roiland leaving, um, that they want, uh, Charlie Day and Danny DeVito to play Rick and Morty. (laughs) (laughs) That would be, that'd be hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, but a couple, two, two more things I just wanted to, uh, touch upon with the whole gun shake up here. Uh, so my friend Dan texted me the other day after, you know, Gunn announced his uh, DC lineup and we're talking about it. And the first thing we talked about was, oh, God, how much is Booster Gold going to be now? You know, because, <laughs> right, Dan Jurgens, who wrote and drew Booster Gold, he pretty much signs, you know, books for free at conventions, unless it's mm-hmm. like Superman or something like that. Superman's like 10 bucks or something like that. Um, so... I found an interesting article about the ten top ten comics that have risen in value by after James Gunn announced his thing. So this is off comicbook.com. And this was really interesting. So at the bottom number ten is Swamp Thing number one. So this is one of the most expensive books outside of his first appearance of House of Secrets ninety two. It's got a high sale of $609 for a CPC oh, 9.2 copy wow. and a raw copy of $141. Um, Stormwatch number four, which is basically kind of where this is the first appearance of some of the authority figures like Midnighter and Apollo. Mm-hmm. $599 for a CGC 9.8 copy. And a raw copy of $129. Oh, Jesus. Weird World Tales. Weird, weird War Tales. Um, which is basically, this is the first time kind of like some of the Creature Commandos jumped into the DC Universe. Um, a high sale in a, of a CGC 9.8 copy for $1,095. Wow. And a raw copy of $35. And here's where I almost lost it. Booster Gold number one. High sale of $649 for a 9.8 CGC copy. And a raw copy for $64. Wow. So I'm going to sidebar real quick. When you go to conventions, a lot of times you can go through all of these back issue bins. 
and find, you know, old issues, old stuff that you're looking for for your collection for like maybe five bucks for like 30 bucks. So I'm wondering if with this new whole James Gunn DC Slate lineup, if this is going to heavily impact the comic book market, especially at conventions. Mm-hmm. Because just looking at how much all of these are going to be now, like I would, I would assume Dan Jurgens is going to be heavily invested in this Booster Gold series. So I w- I'm, I'm glad I got his sketch when I did because hmm. I guarantee you this time he got his sketch this year it's probably going to be double the price. Which I think I got it for like maybe 300 bucks. So I wouldn't be surprised if it doubled in price. Especially because I have the uh, the Superman Booster Gold issues in a collage that Toby did. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if those went up in price too. So, um, but anyways, uh, Legends number one, which is the first uh, appearance of Amanda Waller for 145 for a CGC copy and a raw copy of nine dollars. Uh, Batman 656 first appearance of Damian Wayne, 420 dollars a 9.8 CGC and 72 dollars for a raw copy. Uh, 655, another first appearance of Damon Wayne for $500, uh, and a raw copy of $79. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, this is a Gary Frank cover for $60, and a raw copy of $32. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, issue one, regular cover, $70, and a raw copy of $37. And the authority, number one. Five hundred fifty dollars for a CGC nine point eight, and a raw copy for thirty three dollars. Wow! So I think it's really interesting with this whole, you know, gun announcement of, you know, all of these things that he's going to be using, and it especially begs the question of, I know we've talked about this before, Eric. Are these creators going to be involved somehow? I mean, obviously, it sounds like. Uh, you know, it sounds like Tom Gun's Tom King is going to be involved, right, for Supergirl. But you know, there's parts where, like, I think JMD Matias on Twitter came out saying, "Oh yeah, I created the Creature Commandos." You know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure like you have people like Dan Jurgens who are like, "Oh, they're making a Booster Gold movie or show," you know. So it's interesting to see how all these uh, artists and writers are going to be not like flocking towards this, but, you know, trying to see if they've even been contacted about it. Right. I wonder if his approach moving forward is going to be contacting and having, having the creators of these characters really get involved. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, right now from what Gunn's talked about, basically it only sounds like, you know, um, Tom King's the only one who was mentioned. Yeah, you know they didn't mention anything about you know Dan Jurgens who created Booster Gold, James Matias who helped create the Creature Commandos. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he does in fact have a different approach to it. 
Yeah, and there was a, another interesting article. Uh, this will be my last thing about this whole topic um, about uh, Chuck Dixon, and this is from Fandom Wire about Chuck Dixon, who <clears throat> is a comic book writer who helped create Bane um, and you know helped kind of rejuvenate Firefly. And he's worked on Batman and Robin and Nightwing. And basically he was talking about, you know, uh, Gunn's idea. And Dixon has said that he's never seen a DC movie and liked, he hasn't liked any of them either. So, and he doesn't plan on watching any. So Hmm. he talks about uh, James Gunn. He said, well, it kind of looks like a mixed bag to me. I got to wonder if Gunn's proposed list is for real. Is it a wish list? Are these things actually going to be put on a schedule? It seems like an ambitious list. Seems like a lot of stuff. It seems like he's going to be writing a lot of it. I mean, if he writes all the things he says he's going to write, he's not going to be leaving the house anytime soon. (laughs) But I got to wonder, is this just a pie in the sky? Is this a wish list? Some of these things seem extremely underwhelming. Some of the things seem to exist only to check boxes. Quite frankly, I don't care. I know you don't want to hear that, but I don't care. I've never seen a DC movie, DC-based movie that I've ever liked, and I don't think I'll ever see one. And now that they've moved far, far away from the source material, I have no interest. Hmm. That's a, that's unfortunate. It sounds like he's just salty, though. Yeah. And it's well, I mean, it sounds like, but at the same time, you know. You got to figure out how are they going to be moving far away from source material and stuff. Like, obviously, with the whole Marvel franchise, you know, there's a way to kind of move away from it, but you're also still sticking close to it. Right. But it also kind of made me wonder if there's a lot of lot more consternation within the, you know. uh, creator community about you know James Gunn kind of just announcing what he's going to be doing and not letting anyone know you know yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see for sure I mean, there's probably a lot of bad blood too from the last like 10 or 12 years I mean not just in the in like the uh, like the, the live action movies like some of the animated stuff too like the killing joke to me, the comic was a much better story arc than uh, the, the 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 movie. Oh yeah, the movie was garbage. Yeah, yeah. but maybe well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe because they just they've had so many disappointments over like the last decade or so, decade and a half, that anything new that comes up is going to write it off immediately. I mean, well, I mean, that's how I see it. I don't know if the Killing Joke's a good example because Alan Moore doesn't. He hates everything that anyone does. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think even more so than that, I think there is a fear that James Gunn is going to come in and try to Marvelize the DC universe. I think so. And the DC universe is just so much different than the Marvel is. It's got a different feel to it. It has a different scope, in my opinion. And I don't think. Marvelizing the DC universe is a good way to go. I almost feel like, I mean, especially when it comes to more recent, you know, uh, series, I almost feel like DC characters are a little more humanized than Marvel's. Mm. Especially when it comes to, like, you know, I mean, granted, I'm just, you know, talking about Tom King books, but, you know, when it comes to Mr. Miracle and how that dealt with 
you know, depression and suicide, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to, you know, Rorschach dealing with, you know, a, a murder mystery, also dealing with a lot of psychological issues. Um, you know, I think like, especially, you know, even, even these past few different, like, like, I think Batman's runs have been really good so far. Like after Tom King's like Tinian dealing with, you know, the fallout of, you know, Tom King's Batman run. And even now with Chip Zdarsky writing Batman has been really good also. So I think there's a lot of parts where there's a lot of humanization of DC characters that you don't see in Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, you know, talking about Chuck Dixon's run on Batman where, you know, Bane broke his back. Yeah. Um, and even, even the, like some of the titular runs of Superman, like I think uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly's All-Star Superman is still one of the best books ever. And even, you know, kind of delving into um, the Brian Azzarillo and Cliff Chang run on Wonder Woman, I feel like that after that New 52 run, it kind of humanized her a little more. So mm-hmm. I think DC definitely has a good, you know, way to humanize their characters. Even even, oh, in, Doom, yeah. even in Doom Patrol, like I haven't watched any of the new season, but like that those first two seasons of Doom Patrol, like I was like, wow, these characters are like really good. Yeah, and and they do it in a very serious and very hum, human way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what DC needs to do. I don't. Again, my always my fear with these superhero movies is the comedy that they force in. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like with the movies that they announced and the TV shows, it sounds like it, there might not be too much in there, yep. but at the same time, you know. Oh. Yeah, you never know. I mean, minus maybe Booster Gold and Blue Beetle having some comedy in it, but... Yeah, but you got the... Think of it too. How many Marvel films do we have versus DC films? I think I'm remembering something from Martin Scorsese saying that Marvel right now is just a it's an amusement park. It's not actually they're not actual movies. Well, I think that's true, especially after Phase Three, because Phase yeah. Four has just basically been a crapshoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to see. Um... Any final thoughts on this DC slate? Uh, I will just say I'm really hoping they stick with this formula and just let it run its course. I think the cons... Nothing would make me happier than having like the Warner Brothers finally catch up the DC movies with Marvel and put DC back in the spotlight like they did back in the 70s and 80s. I am just concerned that it's going to be a repeat of what's happened before where they do they do a couple of films. They don't write the direction and you're back to square one. And you lost a lot of, um, a lot of resources, a lot of time and energy on all this. So I'm really hoping that they stick with this formula and just let it run its course. Right. What about you, Eric? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I am not going to make an opinion until after the flash movie. Okay. I, I true. I truly think that that is going to be either the saving grace and the moving forward point 
or it's just going to be a downward crapshoot and they're going to have to like be on hiatus for a few more years. Okay. I well, think I think they're relying a lot on this Flash movie based on what I've heard and what it's supposed to set up that I truly think that it the success or failure of that movie is going to make or break the DC universe. Yeah. Because you really only have one chance at one of those movies to reset everything. So, I like the idea of a lot of those series and movies. um, Because it's not just like fan service. Oh, we're going to give you like Dark Side right off the bat. Or we're going to give you... uh, I mean, there's a Lantern show, but we're not going to give you a direct Lantern thing right off the bat. Um, I think it's a good mix of like well-known characters and smaller characters, but I do think as far as DC goes, there's two or three characters you need to get right to have a really good universe. One of them is Superman. <laughs> one of them, one of them is Batman. But the problem with Batman is Batman. There's already at least two iterations of Batman. And then I mean, you kind of have to have worlds. those are else worlds. I know, but even so, people people who don't know better are going to get really confused. Just saying. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, we and can't. I, yeah, and I mean, you're going to have to have a, a solid plan for Wonder Woman, too. But I think the most important two characters to set off DC is Batman and Superman. Batman, I think, historically has been easier to set up than Superman. So, um, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I like I like the different aspects they're trying to plan out. Like, I would love more than anything to have a Swamp Thing-centered movie with some Justice League Dark vibes. But, again, like, you have to do it properly. And you can't rush it either. And, and some of this seems like they're rushing it a little bit, too. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, we shall see. So, um, going on to our last topic as we wait for Ian to come in. Um, This is going off of a list leaked by thedirect.com. We're going to be talking about some of the Super Bowl trailers that are supposed to be happening during the Super Bowl. I'm using the same site. Beautiful. We're on the same page. That's wonderful. So all of this stuff is coming from the direct.com. It's a list of supposedly going to be shown at the Super Bowl. Some of them are pretty big. Some of them are like, what the fuck? What are we doing here? And some of you know, them like, you know kind of interesting. Okay. What? Uh, I didn't realize that a 30 second Super Bowl commercial cost $7 million. Yep. And, I, and supposedly that's. $500,000 higher than last year. Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of money to mid. Yep. But well, my, um, my question is, especially when it comes to ads, and not to interrupt Eric, I'm sorry. Yeah, go for but it. But like, I mean, I know we have movie trailers, but like, you know, no one's going to be buying any of this stuff, you know? Well, there's there's a, there's a, pop, a Popcorners ad. Mm-hmm. Popcorners taste terrible. <laughs> yep. Like, you know, you have all these ads. And it's funny. I was at my parents' uh, Friday night. 
and they were watching like uh, like the best Super Bowl commercials of like the past decade or something like that. And like those commercials back then were really good. Mm-hmm. You know, they they showcase the uh, obviously everyone loves the the Budweiser Clydesdales. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The the classic was that commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, even down to the the very uh, attractive Cindy Crawford Pepsi commercial. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like as the years have gone by, I, I anyone just like I don't watch the Super Bowl. I don't really care about sports. Mm-hmm. But like when I was younger, and I'd have like Super Bowl parties with my friends and stuff, we would just watch them for the commercials. Right. Exactly. And I, and I think the quality of the commercials have actually come down in yeah. the last five or six years, too. I think oh, they ran yeah. out of ideas. It's I don't even not... remember any of them from last year, to be honest. Well, yeah, and I, and I think it's not even so much the creativity. I think it's just because it's so expensive to get something aired. Yeah. I think the only one I remember last year was, uh, I think they had a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV spot. Remember that? Yeah, I don't really remember anything. And that was May- maybe Moon Knight. No, no, because Moon Knight was in. That was like later in the year. Hmm. There's no way they had a Moon Knight TV spot. Now I'm curious. I'm gonna look that up. When did Moon Knight come out? Moon Knight came out over the summer. Like the beginning of the summer, I think. Yeah, it was like May, June, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, we were watching it at Ray's place after uh, birthday. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Nar, nar. What? I had to work last year. I, I thought, I remember we did an outing together at uh, the treehouse last year. Well, that wasn't for the Super Bowl. No, no, I meant it was, it was for a birthday, right? Yeah, that was uh, Eric and Mike's conjoined birthday party. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Because I, I remember that I remember that vividly, I think. Yeah. Jesus, I'm getting old. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're get, your age is showing. Yeah, wait till you hit 30, dude, I'm telling you. It'll change your life. Yeah, I still have three years. But anywho... <laughs> Um, while Ray's looking that up, I'll, I'm going to quickly go through what is to be shown and then we can kind of talk about what our thoughts are on these. So, uh, one of them is fast X. So the 10th movie of the fast and the furious franchise scream six, obviously from the scream franchise 65, which is a sci-fi horror movie with Adam Driver and a bunch of dinosaurs. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Movie called Air, starring um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Cocaine Bear. Yep. Directed by Elizabeth Banks. Of course, we already talked about this already, but Ezra Miller's The Mm -hmm. Flash which is the, the the key movie, I think, moving forward. Yep. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is James Gunn's last Marvel movie, as well as the Guardians' last movie. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. 
yeah, which sure is which is Harrison Ford's last last at bat with Indiana Jones. Are you sure? Yeah, he came out and said that this is his swan song. Okay. Uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast, which is supposed to reboot the entire franchise, and it's got the Maximals in it, right? Optimus Primal. I believe so. Okay. Um, and then there's also reports that there could be a trailer for the Marvels, the Little Mermaid, and Secret Invasion and Loki season two. Okay. So you want to uh, talk about each movie real quick? Sure. So um, I'll I'll give it about Fast X. I don't care about Fast X either. (laughs) I think this is just since the fifth one came out, I view the Fast and Furious franchise as a very expensive car commercial. Unless Uh, they somehow use a uh, very expensive hologram of Paul Walker, I don't care about Fast X. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. As soon as he died, I. Lost, lost complete interest in this franchise. Every movie is basically the same with different sci-fi stunts. There's a random new villain that pops up that somehow is related to one of the members of the the team. Um, did they did they mention if they're like in outer space, you know, going into an alternate dimension or or outer space or finding the lost city of Atlantis or? I have no idea, but Jason Momoa is the villain in this one, so... Oh, so they're going to Atlantis, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, this trailer actually already came out, so I think this was one of the leaked trailers. I haven't watched it. I mean, power to you if you like this this series, but it's just not for me anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think I stopped after, like, Too Fast, Too Furious, to be honest. Yeah, I, I stopped after five because I, I was done. I was burnt out of it. There's only, like, I mean, if you enjoy that franchise, more power to you. Like, I got nothing against it, but, like, it's just not for me, man. Yeah. It's not for me. I know, I know, car, I know car people are like, oh, this is great. This is a cool car. I'm like, man, I, my car takes me from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah. put gas in it. I bring it to the dealership, you know, yep. take oil and get everything fixed, and that's it. Yep, I agree. Well, that movie comes out May 19th. The next one, another franchise I'm not really involved with. I really actually haven't seen any of them, I don't think. But Scream 6. And this I guess... actually, I actually, I don't think I've seen any of these. But for some reason, this one just sounded really interesting to me. Yeah, and I, this one I might actually see. I might have to backtrack a couple of them and watch them to see what it is, but... It seems like it's Ghostface in New York City, which is interesting. That, I think I think that's the one thing that kind of appealed to me. Where, like, I didn't think I was going to want to go see it, but I think that's the one thing that kind of, like, I don't know, like, the trailer kind of looked cool. Um, not this one, but the other one that they came out. Yeah. I think... Um, you know, kind of ghost face. And I, I know that a lot of people have talked about, oh, he's using like a shotgun in one of them and he always uses a knife. But this guy New even works. in New York City. You got to use a shotgun. Right. Who got shot down by the NYPD? Yeah. Would you want to go see this, Aaron? I would, I would go and see that. It'd be a fun time. Okay. I feel like, I feel like this might be one of the ones that we should, we should go see. 
Sounds I good. I don't do I don't do like horror movies like the Scream franchise, but I'll probably have like a marathon to catch up because I don't even think I saw the original. Maybe, maybe that should uh, maybe that should be yeah. one of our episodes. Yeah, that'd be cool. We, well, I mean, obviously at our own pace, watch the Scream franchise. But what's your yeah. favorite scary movie? Um, and I, uh, go ahead with the next one. Yeah, uh, that one will come out on March 10th, so we got to hurry up on that one. Um. <laughs> This one, this next one is actually three year. Really? And that is that is sixty five. Um, I have I been yearning for a good dinosaur movie for God knows how long. <laughs> because See, Jurassic- I don't know. this for some reason this trailer doesn't. I don't know, like the. I forgot what movie I went to go see. Oh, I went to go see uh, that time I got reincarnated as slime movie. Uh-huh. And they had a trailer for this movie come out. And I think it looks cool, but like, I just don't under, like, I don't, I don't understand the plot. Maybe that's on purpose. <laughs> um, now about this movie, who is it? Who did it? I there's some name behind it. I forgot who, though. Um, hold on, and I'll find that for you. But it's it is I'm, the. I'm uh, excited to see Adam Driver in it. Oh yeah, yeah Adam Driver in a in another serious role. I'm I'm all about it. I think he's vastly underused. Under you, yeah, underutilized. Yeah. He's vastly underutilized. Yep. Um, in everything that he's been in, because. Even if you look at his uh, his Wikipedia or his IMDb, he's done a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not just talking like, uh, oh, he was in Star Wars, but no, he's done a lot of good stuff. Like, he was in uh, Midnight Special, that movie with uh, uh, Michael Shannon and Joel Edgerton. Um, he was in Logan Lucky, Black Klansman. Um, you know, I, I, he's been in a lot of good stuff. Yeah, he, he's definitely underutilized. He played in, um, God, what zombie movie was he in with, um, Bill Murray? Oh, I love that movie. Um, The Dead Don't Die. There you go. That was a great that, movie too. I mean, that was oddly really good. I didn't think I, I would enjoy it, but I thought it was, it was, it was a fun little fun little romp i think yeah yeah um and interestingly enough this will this this kind of elevated it for me so it's actually from the writers of a quiet place oh really and it's being produced by sam raimi interesting combo so is bruce campbell gonna be in it maybe maybe he'll dress up in a t-rex costume maybe he'll be pizza papa (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the Pizza Papa franchise will come back. Yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see. But that is coming out March 10th. I'm, I'm actually, I'm very excited for it. The, the CGI hey, for the dinosaurs is pretty good. We're gonna have a busy uh, month of March going to see movies. March Madness, yeah. movie madness. Yeah, movie madness, movie March Madness. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be crazy. Um, 
and I and I like that they're bringing a serious tone to a dinosaur movie because I think Jurassic Park has has let that go. So yeah, there hasn't been a real serious tone to a dinosaur movie since The Land Before Time. Yeah, that's true. And I agree with that. Oh jeez, yeah. Littlefoot. Yep. Uh, next one is Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. I am so excited for this. And I don't know why. <laughs> I am so excited for it. I think it's because there's been a lack of fantasy movies. That's fair. Like, I mean, we've had our fantasy feel like, you know, with shows with like Game of Thrones, Rings of Power. Um, and there's one more, but I forgot what. But I think this is like, I'm very excited for this and I don't know why. <laughs> Especially after like that first Dungeons Dragons movie, which is god awful, but I think this is just going to be fun fantasy, campy fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be a like a, a turn your up type of movie. Yeah, you know, Chris Chris Pine has a loop. He does a little dance in it. I I like every single actor and actress in it. Justice Smith's in it. Um, that that girl who was in. Uh, it was. It's in it. The red-haired girl. I forgot her name. Um, yeah, what was her name? And even even uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who I don't think I've seen her in anything since. Besides Fast and the Furious. Maybe. But yeah, I think it just looks like fun. I mean, from the trailers, it looks like a lot of fun. Like they got a lot of classic D and D monsters in there. There's the owl bear. There's the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the chest with teeth. Yeah, I think. I think yeah, I, I I think it'll be a good bro movie. Something too much. And uh, this one again comes out March third. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you get those Cinemark points ready. <laughs> Uh, the next one I see is I know nothing really about this. Uh, it's called Air, about um, the partnership between Nike and Michael Jordan. Oh, starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I really don't have any knowledge behind why this movie is happening, but well, it's Michael Jordan, dude. He's a big basketball player. Yeah, uh, it's, for, it's for it's for shoe people. It's for shoe people because I think there was like some sort of conflict between Michael Jordan and Nike when he was developing his shoes. Probably. But I don't have much to say about it other than it comes out on April 5th. It's for shoe people. That's what it is. Yeah. Best it's, it's for everyone who, you know, gets sneakers all the time and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, next one is kind of wild. I heard actually early reviews of this were surprisingly good. I'm uh, very excited for it, to be honest. <laughs> I was is... watching, uh, well, first off, it's Cocaine Bear, um, which is directed by Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> it's got Ray Liotta in it in his final acting role. It's got Ray, Ray Liotta. Uh, it's got um, Al- Alden... I, I can rich the guy who played solo. Yep. Yep. Um, 
I don't know why, but I'm really excited for this. And it's based on a true story. <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like the true story is the bear ate all the cocaine and then died. <laughs> like, yep. It didn't go on this random right. adventure <laughs> like this bear is going on. But I I don't know. Like I don't know why. I'm just very excited for it. I, it's it's like a horror comedy almost. <laughs> I was watching. Uh, my my watch later playlist on YouTube because um, I have a bunch of videos in there and it came on. I immediately texted uh, my friends Kevin and Joe. I was like, "Yo, are we going to see this?" And they're like, "We've never seen a trailer for this." I was like, "You need to watch this trailer." <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh yeah, we got to go see this." <laughs> it just looks fun. Like you know, it's one of those movies you can just. Turn your brain off, get yeah. some popcorn in the icy, and just you know enjoy it. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm oddly enough, like, I'm, I'm very excited for that in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and co- Cocaine Bear comes out February 24th at the end of the yep. month. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for that. Next one is the Flash. Mm-hmm. This will probably be the highlight for trailers for the Super Bowl for me. Actually, no, that's false. Maybe number two to see what this movie is going to be. And it actually breaks it down into specifically releasing around kickoff time at 6.30 p.m. Okay. Eastern, Eastern time. I'm wishing for my TV. And it will, yeah, it'll air during the game on Fox towards the end of the first quarter. So, just touching on that real quick. Yep. I guess they were talking about how when they were doing uh, the DC Fandom, I think in 2021, um, Ezra Miller debuted the first footage of the film, but I don't think it ever... There was that really short clip that got on YouTube. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Um, but they said apparently there wasn't enough footage to make a full trailer or a teaser at that time. So I'm curious with all, you know, kind of what's been going on. I'm wondering if maybe, you know, between uh, Ezra Miller facing all this uh, problems he's been having with, you know, legal issues. And, he can't stay out of trouble. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they even have enough real footage with how long it's been taking on. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, it, it's it's a huge conundrum because I wonder if it's even going to be like a full teaser trailer or a full trailer. I guess we'll find out tonight. Yeah, I mean, it looks, it seems like the TV spot is going to be before the game and then a full trailer will be at the end of the first quarter. Okay. So we'll, I mean, we'll see. This will, it'll be interesting. It'll be definitely something I pay attention to. First thoughts. Yeah, I'll have to wait till someone sends me a link because. Uh, I'll be at work, but... And The Flash comes out June 16th, so it's not too far away. No, it is not. 
The next one, uh, probably my number one, Guardians Volume Three. Yep. Um, the last bout for the Guardians of the Galaxy and the James Gunn's last project for Marvel. Yeah, you think he's gonna um come back for a uh, um like holiday special again? <laughs> you know, I. So, from what I heard, I think this is it. From what I heard about the actors and from James Gunn, this is this is the last hurrah. Really? Yeah, that's that's what I had heard, which is interesting because okay. they're introducing Adam Warlock. So, and it seems like Adam Warlock's going to be a mainstay. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't even know how Adam Warlock fits in now without Thanos, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting time for the Guardians. Yeah, and, and what they do with it. Because, I mean, I know, I know Chris Pratt had come out and said that he won't do any more movies after this. And I know Dave Bautista's done yeah. with Drax. Um, but I haven't heard about the others. Yeah. So. I mean, you think maybe they'll come back to like voicing and stuff? You know, like if we do like another what if? Uh, maybe. I would say that's probably a possibility. But as far as live action goes, I don't know. I think, um, I think maybe some of them will come back, but in a different capacity. Yeah. Like, for example, I can see Mantis coming back because she kind of is newer. Mm-hmm. I mean, not too new, but newer than the, the originals. But um, Gamora, I'm still unsure of because, I mean, they reset her character in a way. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It comes out on May 3rd, so that's even closer than The Flash. Yep. Uh, the next one is Indiana Jones 5 and the Dial of Destiny. Um, I have not followed Indiana Jones in a long time. Uh, you, you, you don't want to, man. After the Kingdom of Crystal, uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it was, it was bad. Um, aliens heard... do not belong in Indiana Jones fall. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did hear, I did hear that this was going to be Harrison Ford's swan song, and I also heard that it was going to be about Indy grappling with the idea of retirement. Yeah, oh, and that, it's going to be a tough movie for people. Yep, and the and I believe they're going to be showcasing a younger Indy too. Yeah, I saw they're doing the um, the whole. Uh, the thing they did with Mark Hamill for the Mandalorian. Oh, they they aged him. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't uh, isn't what's her name supposed to be in it? Phoebe Waller Bridgers. The, uh, the girl who did the show Fleabag. Maybe. Is Karen Allen gonna be in this? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know much about that's this movie. Question. The best movie you want to watch, Eric, is The Last Crusade with Sean Connery. Oh, I I watched 
the originals, but I mean, I'm also not hugely invested in this franchise either. I remember well, that's the apparently this show. is the, the first film not directed by Steven Spielberg and no story as by George Lucas. Hmm. That is interesting. So that's kind of interesting because, like, you know, you figure they'd be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like there are EPs on it. It's it's also interesting that it seems like the, they're using this this movie to catapult the franchise into a new direction too. So, oh, James Mangold is doing it. Oh, oh you know what? I'm okay with that because he did Logan. So, <laughs> so I wonder if he had like this long lost son after all these years, and that's what this story is going to be. Oh, this is this is cool. So it says James Mangold describes it as a hero at sunset. Yep. Oh, that reminds me of Logan. Yeah. Now I want to watch Logan. (laughs) Logan made me sad. (laughs) Yeah. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny comes out June thirtieth. Uh, the next one I have a love-hate relationship for this franchise, but Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. I don't know if I'm too excited for this. It's been a long time since I've been excited for Transformers movie. Did you like Bumblebee? I liked Bumblebee, and I liked how they went to like the the original like look from the cartoon. Yeah, I liked how they looked. Yeah. And I know it's not going to be, like, directed by Michael Bay, but I just I don't know. I think, I think this franchise lost its lot. It's, it's got a it's lot of good dry. voices in it, though. Yeah. Mm. Peter Cullen's Optimus Prime. Ron Perlman's Optimus Primal. Peter Dinklage's Scourge. Oh, that's mm. cool. That is pretty cool. Pete Davidson's playing Mirage. John DiMaggio's in it? Oh, man, that's cool. Uh, oh, Michelle Yeoh's in it. Is she RC? Uh, no, she's playing uh, Irazor. Okay. Um, Michaela J. Rodriguez is playing RC. Okay. Or no, wait, I don't even see RC in here. Did I miss her? There's twice of RC in the, in the trailer. No, it's, it's Liza Koshy. Okay. She's some, some kind of YouTube star. Well, Donald. Yeah, I don't know. Like the Transformers franchise, while this might be good, like I just hope that they start off with like a good plot to propel the franchise forward. Because I've lost, I've I think it's lost steam for a while. We'll see about that, dude. Yeah, I mean, uh, the last one, uh, I mean, I enjoyed the original three. Up until um, the last yeah. night, I didn't like that one. I, I would have liked Age of Extinction more if they had more footage of the Dinobots that they I, put in. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, with when it comes to Transformers, like, and it's funny, I was actually just listening to uh, 
the Weekly Planet podcast, and they were talking about like Hasbro's franchises where they have to crank out a certain amount of uh, movies or material so that way they don't lose the rights to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's kind of why Hasbro's doing, or that's why um, whoever's in charge of Dungeons & Dragons is cranking out this movie. Because I know it's not Hasbro, but it's someone else. Right. Probably they don't lose the rights, but I wonder if it's kind of because they don't want to lose the rights to it. Because, I mean, I feel like after the Bumblebee movie, which I thought was pretty decent, mm-hmm. yep. um, the fact that they're kind of just jumping into a whole... And this is supposed to be, like, the beginning of a whole new trilogy. Right. So I wonder if the way these Transformers movies are coming out is just kind of a way to save face, you know? Because in the last ones, what between Age of Extinction and The Last Night, they had the Dinobots, and they then they, they didn't do anything with them. Yeah, that was my problem with it. So I mean, I wonder if that's just their way to save face, like oh, let's throw the the Maximals in it for this one, so that way we don't lose the rights. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just. I don't know the the French the 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 Transformers franchise is very similar to me as it is to Godzilla in the sense that it's is very it hard to do a very good story and have humans in it because a lot of this is like robots fighting one another. Yeah, and it would have to you'd have to make a human character make a a dramatic impact on the story for us to care about them. Yeah. So, and that's why I think the cartoons did so well is because you didn't focus on the kids. You focused on the different robots and Autobots and Decepticons. So, I don't know. I mean, it'll be, it'll be entertaining. It'll be a fun movie, I'm sure. But will it deliver a good story? I don't know. It seems like Bumblebee is the only one in the entire, what, six, seven movies now that has actually done it. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly because you focused on the girl's relationship with Bumblebee. And you had, like, the awesome old school Autobots. That too. Yeah. Like, I think when it comes to Transformers, the design is the most important. Yeah. I, believe, I agree with that one. Like, I feel like the design is the one way to go with it. Yeah. And, I mean, they have, like, potential to propel the plot into cool directions. Like, going going into a whole plot with Cybertron and Unicron and all this other stuff would be, would be a good way to put it and make it an, on an epic scale, but... They're like nowhere near to developing that too. So oh, no, they're no no way close. Yeah, and they tried to build up Unicron in the last one, but Yeah. I don't know. Again, we'll it's see. Smaller. That movie comes out where do... oh June 9th. Nice. So June's gonna be another busy month for movies too. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are the last ones that I saw. I I did see that rumors of the Marvels trailer was false. 
as well as Little Mermaid, so I don't think we'll be getting that. But I think we might get a, a little teaser for Secret Invasion, maybe. That would be interesting. I mean, didn't that one's coming up this year. Was it a full-length trailer, or was it... I'm pretty sure teaser? it was a full-length trailer. Okay, I'll have to look back and see. Yeah, it was a, it was a, like almost a two-minute trailer. Okay, maybe I didn't watch it; it just went over my head. Uh, and then the other one could be Loki season two. <laughs> That'll watch. Because that that comes out that comes out this year too, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think the the Marvel slate this year was Loki, Echo, and Secret Invasion. Yeah, so in in Loki season two comes out, I th- I would assume sooner than the other ones. Actually, I think it's supposed to come sh- not shortly after um, Ant Man Quantum Mania, but maybe the first TV show that comes out after Quantum Mania. Huh. We'll see. And we'll see if prize ones that gets thrown in there. Yeah. Oh, they might. Yeah, there's always at least one, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, on anything we talked about today? Uh, I can't wait for Cocaine Bear and Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> Ian? Uh, yeah, go Eagles. <laughs> Ew. Sorry. An actual sport-related comment? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta throw something about that. The only reason I cheer for the Eagles is because my friend RJ is a huge Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. And I also love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So True. There you go. Literally the only reason I cheer for the Eagles. I know nothing about football. That's the only reason. Eric does, but it's the wrong kind of football. No, the right kind of football. <laughs> The world's favorite sport doesn't make any sense as to why football is called football. Why? Because they use their hands all the time. So why is it called football? Because they they use um, they kick the ball off to start the game. Yep. That's kind of a dumb reason. Yep. <laughs> Do you think it's America's pastime or is that baseball? That's no. baseball. Really. Yeah. yeah. Baseball's older than football. I was going to say, baseball's been around a lot longer than football. Yep. Well, I think all sports are boring, so. <laughs> mm. yeah. Except when the World Cup comes on. When the World Cup comes on, I'll watch it. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. You'd be ready to get you to a hockey game. Hockey's yeah. fun. Hockey's fun to watch live. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I'm good. You guys can. I hope that The Flash finally revives DC so that it can actually be relevant again. I'm with you there on that one. I really hope DC gets its act together and figures out what it wants to do. You know, I kind of feel the same way except for Dungeons and Dragons movie. (laughs) I kind of hope it revitalizes the Dungeons and Dragons community and kind of like makes people more interested, you know what I mean? Yeah, it might. 
true because there is that whole debacle too. Do you guys hear about that with the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop game? No. They're like, I don't remember the exact terminology, but they're like taking away the rights for other people to do their style of gaming. Oh, really? That makes sense. Yeah, they they came out and was like, nope, unless you're officially licensed by us, you have no right to do that kind of a game, a tabletop game. So, like, how does how does that work? Hold on, let me while 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 I'm on this tangent, give me give me a second. It's all no, about the money. That's really interesting. I never heard about that. Yeah, I was actually listening to a different podcast that brought it up. Huh. So, like, if you're doing kind of like your own like campaign, they can cancel you for that. It's more along the lines of like officially published games that borrow that format that's like not Dungeons and Dragons so like if a Stranger Things wanted to do a Dungeons and Dragons they couldn't really yeah but wait so like what you're saying is even though they used it in the show they still wouldn't be able to use it it's more like they can use it in the show but if they wanted to come out with a, a specific Stranger Things themed Dungeons and Dragons campaign that they can't use it. Oh, you know what? Actually, that brings up another good question. You remember when uh, Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans were doing their own dive tabletop game? Mm. Do you remember that Kickstarter? Yep. I wonder if they got in trouble for that. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to read the article to, to find where the specific is, but... That's crazy. Um, yeah, that was about the money. So, like, when they did the... I know there's, like, a Rick and Morty Dungeons & Dragons game. Do they get, like, fined for that? Yeah, so I'll, I'll read it to you guys really quick. So, yeah, yeah. according to a document that leaked to Gizmodo that contains a new open game license agreement, a new version of the beloved board game will tighten restrictions applied to fans who create content for the game. The current agreement, which has been in place since 2000, allows outside designers and publishers to make adventures and rules along with other products for the game and to keep any profit. The new agreement would give Wizards of the Coast, who are the the brains behind Dungeons & Dragons, um would give they would give partial ownership of these products and the ability to demand a share of profits from other creators. Hmm. Now nerds are now vowing to burn their beloved game to the ground, calling the chain the change corporate overreach to nickel and dime creators who are showing their love for D and the community of players. That's crazy. Right? So they they've become more greedy and want more profit. That'll be interesting. All because they develop a different style of, of board game, pretty much. Well, that's not surprising. No. I'm just surprised it took all these years to do it. Yeah, I don't... Man, that's that's really crazy to hear, to be honest. Yeah, seriously. But again, it, it kind of makes sense in a way. It sucks, but yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's all about the money, guys, at the end of the day. It's all about who gets what. Well, and I bet you it had something to do with the popularity that it probably arose from Stranger Things. Yeah. 
most likely give it a kickstart again. I mean, it did. It definitely got brought back. It definitely is becoming more popular again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I think was- after, um, you know, after the resurgence of Stranger Things, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of jumped on that bandwagon again. Yeah, I, I agree. But shit, we'll see what happens with that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Anything else, gentlemen? Well, all I can think of. I'm just, yeah, we'll see about DC. See where they're going. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, again, stay tuned for our YouTube video that is coming this week. Mm-hmm. It will be done. I just have to finish. <laughs> um, and that, w- that will be covering our wrap-up from January for reading, watching, yep. and playing. And it'll kickstart, hopefully, a, a new successful platform for us to, to venture onto. That'd be awesome. Um, this is one of your hosts, Eric, again. And you can follow me on Easy Spidey 8 on Instagram and Eric Fagan on Facebook. This is Ian. You can follow me on Ian Sullivan at Facebook and Sully1918 on Instagram. And just a reminder we are taking this next week off. Um, so you will not be getting an episode this coming Sunday, correct? Correct. Yes, correct. So we won't be back for almost almost two weeks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we'll be coming back with our Ant-Man episode. We'll be talking all three Ant-Man movies because by the time we come back, it will be out. So we will be talking about that. <laughs> As well as some, I believe we said, um, a more some more Last of Us as well. Yes. So a few a few big things coming up, and then we we haven't talked about our March release schedule yet, but I definitely have some ideas. I'll think of something too. All right, thank you all. Ray, did you give your little spiel? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Capri Flash on Instagram, Clark Ray Ken on Twitter, and our Adventure Geeks Facebook page. All right, stay tuned, y'all, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Bye.